What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Stuff. Yeah, I cranked it out. <laughs> yes, baby, you did. Yes, baby, you did. So before we even get in to the script, um, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I are you obsessed? I this is like reads a buy, but like Scotch also tape, like with this next to it. I know. Is so this a lady show another? I wish you could see what I'm looking at. Uh, Jeremy's going to quickly go and grab wow. several different paper media. Types I feel like this is what's going to be in combined. Uh, it's going to be like this is what's going to be in the glass in the in the, uh, in the in the glass <laughs> container. Um, lady another. We're here with uh, Collier Shore, and a uh, renowned photographer who's also now moving into the dance world. And has been moving into and through the dance world for a bit. This has been going on for a bit. Moving into sounds a little bit like, you know, occupation. Occupation? Which is, oh, yeah. you know, like kind of but it did imperialist. Feel, you know what? It's more like I feel occupied. Oh, by dance. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I, I allow myself to be occupied, dominated, uh, yes. pushed around. Dance is entering into you as opposed to you entering into dance. Yes. I mean, I think... You know, there's there's a number of Genesises oh. <laughs> to bring up the Bible. Chantal Ackerman's favorite book, I think. Um, Genesis and Exodus favorites. Um, I think, uh, you know, obviously we all either dance or avoid dance. Yeah. Right? From the start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are either people that dance or people that don't dance. And right. the people that dance that can't dance don't really consider that a reason not to dance. The people that can't dance and don't dance feel very comfortable with that decision. And that was me for, for a long, a long period of time. I think that the thing that sort of made me want to do something I couldn't do, and this will be quick. Was, it does not have to be quick. We have all, do not, was, we have all the time. Take really was in the mid two thousands when I was photographing a wrestling team in New Jersey. Um, the championship, like the best, basically the best team in the country. And so I would spend uh, many a winter eve in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, in a gym that was at least 100 degrees, <laughs> clearly illegal, hotter than the gym at West Point that I once went to. And within that gym was, and I can see your eyes opening because you wish you were there, well, that, I, I think it's also going to feel familiar to where I grew up, but go on. Okay, yeah. so in that gym were probably 30 pairs of bodies, you know, split up in weight class. Right. And my interest was not in matches and winning and losing. It was in the rituals of practice. And I had wrestling shoes and shorts and a team shirt. And I basically moved around the room in between all of these pairs of dancers. And when you do that and you're really hot <laughs> um, and you're really connected, you kind of feel like you're moving like them. Mm -hmm. But then you're not, of course. Um, and, you know, for me, the main achievement was that I did not touch anyone and nobody touched me. So I didn't disturb the event, so to speak. But I thought a lot about those movements and um, 
while a lot of people thought that project was about masculinity, it was really about choreography and dance and the way in which the camera could isolate movements and those movements would look like something else. Um, and so when I look at the Ackerman and also what I've been doing myself, I see echoes of that and I see the impossibility of me ever wrestling. I mean, I did it once with my favorite wrestler. Um, Who's your favorite wrestler? Well, my favorite wrestler is an amazing person. Um, his name is Hudson Taylor, and he started Athlete Ally. Right. And I always think that the, you know, the beginnings of that came from working with me or having an LGBT person in the room, mm -hmm. um, you know, starting to like understand art and expression. So there's one moment in which I tried it with Hudson and within two minutes, you know, we were on our backs and I was in some kind of a crab hold and it was <clears throat> hideous. You know, I mean, he was just sweating and giant and um, it was nothing like I had dreamed. <laughs> I like dance. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I think, you know, going to where I am now, there was a feeling that I wanted to be in the work then and that was an impossibility, much like skateboarding, mm. you know, and playing the guitar. Just things that I can't... Things you cannot do. Things I cannot do, but <laughs> look so graceful and pleasurable when you watch other people do them. Right. What was your... When, I mean, you grew up in New York. You grew up in Queens, right? Well, you know, my biography is like... There was a time when I was German. There was 20 years when my biography basically suggested that I was a gay man from Germany. <laughs> What? Because I made work in Germany for a long time. Okay. So I was born in Queens. Right. And moved at five to Long Island and then New Jersey. Uh -huh. And then went to college in New York. So I had a brief departure from New York, but then I returned. It's a tri-state area. It's a tri-state oh, area. That's yeah. important. It's a fairy yeah. tale. It's really important not to be in New York forever. Yeah. Someone once said to me, if you never leave New York, you go crazy. Mm. And I think it's true. You know, you stay in that St. Mark's apartment holding on mm. forever. Yeah. Because you, you can't see the horizon. <laughs> did you just... Did, did no, that, no. I left, you've got out of here for I a bit. I left for 17 years and I came back and now I feel like maybe I'm, I'm in, trapped. Maybe. You might be. Maybe. No, yeah. I'll leave again. Yeah, you'll leave again. Oh, that's right. It's coming up for you. It'll that's happen. possible. It'll happen. We grew up in New York as well. I only left... I would leave for every summer. Right. And, of course, missing summer in New York is not missing anything. No. So it's just missing hell. It's just missing hell. And, in fact, when yeah. I stopped going to Germany and I returned to hell, my body, my body just said, what the fuck? And did you uh, feel reminded of that 100-degree <laughs> room yes. in New Jersey of, like, yes. of, of wrestlers, except now you're dealing with um, just exhaust from cars that's trapped in the yes. city by heat, and we just breathe mm. that in. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I think... Um, it's such a great place to meet dancers, so... Well, and that was my question. And growing up here, what was your first exposure to dance? Um, you know, my mom took me to dance a lot. So, you know, all through childhood, I saw Dance Theater of Harlem and Alvin Ailey and Paul Taylor and Trisha Brown, The Nutcracker. Um, you know, I didn't go every week. Right. But she would take me, you know, into college, I think, and... We watch stuff on Channel 13. I mean, my mom only knows Channel 13. It's the best channel. Yes. And really, 
you know, has has stuck with that for a long time, which I, I really admire. Um, so, you know, my experience in dance was like watching dance noise in the East Village. Oh, my God. Do you know um, Lucy now? No. no I mean, okay. You know, there was such a... To my mind, there was such a separation between stage and audience. Like, people mm. might not think that, but if you weren't a dancer or a performance artist, it's not like you saw Anne Magnuson and then you went and hung out with her. Mm. You know, maybe it was my age. So the Dance Noise girls were there, but they weren't... I was more, art, you know, I was at SVA. Right. So I was hanging out more with people that worked for Yvonne Rayner or worked for Joseph Kasuth or, you know, we all worked for an artist. Right. And, and then, you know, we're kind of like burgeoning conceptualists and Marxists. And so if we took in a show, it generally wasn't like put on by one of our peers. Right. I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but, you know, with the exception of like someone like Sarah Schulman, who I knew from like hanging out. So I would see her stuff and I knew her, um, or Elaine Miles, yeah. but but it's not like it's not like um, I had a reading group with the entire East Village performance group. Well, and that it, it and that also yeah, you were at SVA and with visual artists and dealing with that, and so to go see this other work. But when you were seeing dance first with your mother and then uh, as and as you're a young adult, um, did you feel drawn to it then? You, did you have the same feeling that you're having now of not not quite the same because I found it so um, distant you know like it didn't it was the stuff that I was seeing was pretty much polished mm-hmm. you know um, institutionally supported stuff right so it was Growing up, that's what you saw. I mean, and the dance noise is like yeah. full, full chaos reigns. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of like, you know, it's like a Goldilocks kind of situation. It's yeah. like one thing was so fine I could never imagine, and the other thing was so raw that I would never. Amazing. You know, I mean, I'm not like the blood and guts in high school, even though right. I like the picture of Kathy Acker. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, I think that, you know, and that was like also... SVA in that time was like you went to I went to art school to meet lesbians and all I met was a bunch of straight people from New Jersey and Long Island <laughs> yay yeah. oh man wait and how long do you know Sarah Shulman read my tarot once really yeah I went and had dinner at her apartment and she went through my tarot and unfortunately that was really true <laughs> it was really, it was really rough. I've known her for a really long time as well. I used to do when I was uh, first moved here. I would do readings. I'd be like the kid in her plays. Gosh, yeah. were you? Uh, were you? You were doing photography as a major at SVA? No, I no. mean my. You know, I, I studied journalism in an art school. It was the only school I could get into. It was the first year of a journalism program. It was incredibly uh, formal. Uh, like Columbia School of Journalism. Wow. Like we covered the 60 Minutes trial, which you don't even know about, but it was the trial in which I think General Westmoreland sued 60 Minutes for exposing the fact that he fudged the numbers on the body counts in Vietnam. Oh. Not This did not happen during Vietnam when right. I was a child. Right, right. But the trial was when I was in school. And so we would, that was one of our assignments to go cover that trial. Um, so, you know, I was essentially trapped in a newsroom full of people that wanted to do that. And I, 
would make up stuff. And what does that mean? I mean, I wouldn't go to the trial. I would just make the story this up. Is, what, does SVA still have journalism? No, of course not. So strange. It, it lasted ten it. years. <laughs> <laughs> it lasted ten years. But um, you know, my fondest memory from school was that we had um, to write an obituary on a living person, and so I called Fran Leibowitz because her phone number was in Vogue magazine from an Annie Leibowitz picture. What? No. Really? Really. She And Annie was supposed to take it out, and she didn't. So there's a picture of Fran in bed with a phone, and the phone number was there, so I just called her. Amazing. And I said, look, I'm doing this you know, project for school. Can I interview you for an obituary? Of course she said yes. Oh, that's so great. Wow. And they were like, and class president is Kolya. Did oh. you have to use a magnifying glass to, to get the number? No, I did not. Now I would. I but no, it was thing. large. It was large. There wow. might as well have been an arrow pointing, call her if you think she's hot. Wow. <laughs> Which I did. And what was the experience of, well, you, and now you've probably... Well, I mean, that's another story. I want it. But, well, I then followed up with an actual interview with her uh-huh. for my school paper, which was amazing. And uh, The SVA Gazette. The SVA Canvas. Uh-huh. It was called Canvas. <laughs> so I met her on 2nd Street at Pete's, which is not the same as Pete's Tavern, where I had right. read she hung out. So I slept her really deep into the East Village. And we sat in this bar, and I asked her... Basically, to read my tarot cards, like I asked her everything I wanted to know about and that I hoped for. And she told me pretty quickly none of my dreams would come true because I was neither beautiful nor rich. Wow. Yes. And so I published the story uh, and I put the cassettes away. And then maybe two years ago, I found the cassettes, Leibowitz 1, Leibowitz 2. And took the picture of it, put it on Instagram, and a magazine wrote and said, hey, let's translate those tapes and print it and maybe do a follow-up. And I, you know, obviously I thought that was a fantastic idea, that, but that she wouldn't do it. Uh, and she did. And we took pictures. She came to my studio and we took photos. Wow. Me and her standing on the psych next to each other, both in blazers and Levi's. Yes, it was a beautiful That's moment. A real, Did she That's apologize because she was so wrong? Because your dreams came true? No. Or maybe I, these I were your dreams. I won't finish the end of the story. She's very but I will. But I will tell you that there's now a second interview that nobody has seen. I can't. And when will that come out? Maybe at her death. I see. It's her obituary. I see. <laughs> She's like, this is my time capsule. But, but, the, amazing, but the amazing thing was mm-hmm. that in reading the initial interview I did when I was 19 or 20, in fact, all my dreams did come true. You right. know, every single thing that I talked about wanting or, or was curious about kind of came true, despite the fact that I was neither beautiful nor rich. Well, when we're not beautiful or rich, it just means you have to work a lot harder. Yes, I mean, and, and that and, can really light a, a fire under one's um, desire and yeah. rage. And and clearly, you know, Fran was was from the same. You know, we're both from New Jersey. We're both Jewish. Right. We both didn't get nose jobs. Right. I mean, her father sold furniture, so we did start relatively in the same place, but different decades. And I think that's you know important to think about that things are different in the seventies in New York. I think. Incredibly. And then they became 
more different and more different yeah, yeah. and more different. Yes. And so of course I pine for the 80s, but... I went yeah. to a talk she gave at the Whitney as part of that Nick Mouse ex- exhibition. She was very down on present-day New York. She was really nostalgic about... Yeah, it did feel a little like that. I was like, it's okay, we have to live... Nowadays, let's stop talking about how great it used to be. Right. But, you know, the funny thing is, like, get into her conversation with her about the anvil when she talks about seeing, you know, multiple fists going in assholes. Right. And she has a lot of disdain and, and you know, it, it's not like she celebrated the entire party of the 70s. Right. All right. She was kind of like, hmm... Well, Wait, she didn't love the anvil? Well, I just think, you know, she probably was like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. Well, it's nice to be able to, like, walk down certain streets in New York and not be afraid. And I think, you know, in the 70s, it was dicey. There was parts you couldn't go or you wouldn't go. And now, you know, it's all very antiseptic now. Yeah. But, I mean, is, the 80s, too. Yeah. I could have been kidnapped, but I wasn't. I know, you could have yeah. been that Soho child, but you weren't, <laughs> fortunately. Oh, Aton Pete. Yeah. yeah. We I lived like a block away. Yesterday. Really? Same yeah. age. Yeah. Wow, and you have that kind of like fawn look. Oh, I'm not dead. Like, honestly, uh, everything I've done, the only thing I'm trained to do is be a journalist. The only thing like, I really know how to do easily is write. And, and in a way, like making the script for this ballet is, is about writing a story and intersecting with somebody else's story. Um, and it is blatantly autobiographical. Can you speak to how it's autobiographical? Well, you know, I think... Well, first of all, the movie is... Je te il elle. Right. By which, Ackerman. By Chantal Ackerman. Um... And the the title, the je is Ackerman, the two is the script, the eel is the lorry driver, hmm. um, and the Ayuhi. L is the ex-girlfriend. I get it. Ayuhishi. Ayuhishi. Yeah. Sounds Japanese. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and what's been interesting about the process, I, I saw this film probably in college in Amy Taubin's class, right? A long time ago, but it was still, you know, it was somewhat old then because uh-huh. that would have been in 1982. And, um, someone has to check me on the dates of this film, but it looks quite a bit older just from the bell bottoms. Um, and, and, you know, there were subtitles and the work, the, the piece of the version of the film I'm working with to make the script doesn't have subtitles and I don't speak French. So, and I edited the film down to 40 minutes and the script reflects screen pulls from the edit. Right. So it, it no longer is, the lorry driver is not there. Outside doesn't exist. It, it's inside her apartment yeah. and inside the apartment of her lover. Right. And so in knowing that I'm working with a film that has, you know, it's, it's, it's starring the person who made the film. Ackerman thought about having an actress play her and chose not to because she didn't think that the actress could play her and her kind of clumsy, non-normative body. And um, which is, a, you know, it's a great it's a great way for me to enter the work and kind of assume the same responsibility that nobody could play me. Right. And it's my story um, set to dance with a bit of narration. How is the narration going to work? Is it me? 
It's Am not I doing you. it? Oh. It's not you. Okay. It's probably just me. There's the the other voice at this point will be um, one of the dancers, Lindsay Peisinger, who does speak French, who is going to watch my edit with me and translate. So I'll have a recording of that. So that will be the first time since when I was much, much younger that I know what she's saying, mm -hmm. that I know what the dilemma is. Um, but I'm not particularly interested in her narrative, you know, in terms of text. I'm interested in the idea that there are these movements that sort of coincide with dance, that coincide with performance art, um, that are basically, you know, this intersection of experimental film I mean, the sugar out of the paper bag is iconic. It's yeah. a real, it's a real. And as we barrel towards what winter. What does that mean? Tell me about that. So in the movie, I mean, I, I, well, I, let, I can only you, tell, you know, I lived with a French junkie in the 80s. Okay. So for me, a spoon full of sugar is, you know, the leftovers of dope. I see. But I don't think that's her... You know, I don't, I don't know what the sugar is for. I mean, the way I read it, I mean, you, 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 so in this movie, Charlotte Ackerman, at least uh, for this part, is still in her own apartment. And Wait, Charlotte? Chantal? Chantal. Wait, Charlotte no, no, no. Chantal Ackerman. Who also dances. Wait, can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, I, yes, I can. I, I really can, actually. Well, and that's another story. Never mind. Anyway, so you're watching her in her apartment, and she's, um, I think, like, or at least for me, no, it feels kind of any time, but it certainly could also feel very February in New York. And uh, she does different things. She pushes a bed around, but there's a part where she uh, is just eating sugar out of a paper bag for a while. Spoonfuls. And spoonfuls Handfuls. of sugar. Whoa. And it's just going in. And it's also the sense that it's really going to be her only sustenance and maybe has been her only sustenance for a while. And... Um, there's something to me about like the sugar needing to keep the brain running since brain runs on carbs. She's doing a lot of writing. She's also putting the writing in various places in the room to have a better sense of it. It's making my teeth hurt. Yeah. And um, it's uh, it was a part that felt for me relatable. I mean, it it has that kind of uh, compulsive mm -hmm. or OCD moment, and and. You know, what she's writing is a letter. So it's kind of like as you see her uh, incarcerated in her one-room apartment, one could kind of uh, think about a script or... But she's not writing an artwork. Right. She's writing a letter that I think is to the woman that she's going to see. And so the sugar, I mean, you know, I, I read it as performance art. More than anything, I read it as that that uh, slippage between meaning and abstraction, and that it's you know the loveliness of like why is she moving the bed all around? Why is she pushing the table in what seems to be like you know with real effort? Why is she undressing in front of a black door and becoming a nude for the you know for Babette Mangold? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, it's, there's narrative, but there's also things that don't have to make sense because it's both an experimental film and a foreign film. So narrative convention is kind of out the door. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's also such a sense of that, 
she is the lead and has set up these shots. And they made it in a week. Wow. Yeah. What is your, and so as your, so I have the, the shot script in front of me, and what is your process going to be for now doing this? Yeah. Do you have a sense, like, once you get in a room with, with bodies, how you'll move forward? I mean, there's so many, you know, there's, there's so many versions, because I've been dancing, I mean, just, like, in terms of, like, my dance history, um, I met Lindsay Peisinger in January, and proposed to her that uh, we do some kind of project that involved her dancing and me taking pictures and me potentially entering the work. And, th and that was like, that was it. And then she went back to Europe where she works with Marina Abramovic doing choreography. And I immediately called Katie Pyle um, from Ballet. Friend of the pod who I've also known yes. for... Well, that's the thing. Time. That's the beautiful thing with dance. I mean, I met you through Wendy Whalen. Yeah. Um, you know, which a year ago just wouldn't have even made sense in my life. But uh, I, you know, I I hired Katie to to teach me how to dance with the idea that I would then be comfortable to move in and out mm. of a frame that I had yet to set up. Mm. Uh, it was just like an instinct that I needed to somehow be comfortable with another body in work. And what, what's been the structure of those lessons? Well, we, you know, we really, I mean, Katie had to start from scratch, but that's Katie's joy, mm -hmm. you know, to work with a, a butch lesbian and teach them to dance <laughs> and discover they're not that butch, um, you know, is, is really what she does for, that's the icing on her dance cake. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we started, you know, we started with authentic movement yeah. um, and, and contact improv. And she's, you know, she, and, and this is, you know, this has been going on now for over half a year. And she still asks me in the beginning of every lesson, what do you want to work on? And, you know, and that changes depending on what my mood is or who I've danced with or what my problem is. Um, lately, it's been ballet because I'm like incredibly frustrated that I'm not a dancer. And so I want certain things to be passable or better, or I want, I want to be able to take more chances movement-wise. But, you know, we started with what anybody could do. And, and the improv, you know, was just something that I loved. And then I... Uh, and had you ever done authentic movement before? No, I had. I, I took I took ballet <laughs> when I was about six because I was pigeon toed. Okay, and they were like, we just have to work on these rotators. And I was just like working on my toes and you know scarf work. Oh, there's a big bag of scarfs, you know. Yeah, it's and a door all, Duncan. Yeah, yeah, it was very scarfy and um, <laughs> scarfy. And it was actually when I first learned how to be manipulative because I noticed that every girl wanted the pink scarf. And they're scarce of every color. So I would say to the teacher, I don't really care which color I get. And I would often get a pink or a lavender mm. because of my not caring. Mm -hmm. uh, Play it cool. The gracious yes. child. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be the, one of the chapters in the she bio. She can't dance, but, you know. The gracious child. The gracious child. Um, so so then, then Lindsay came, uh, and we danced for the first time. And we danced... I would say for an hour and a half with no music, with no talking, eyes closed half the time in slow motion. And that sort of became our dance style, which um, coincides 
quite beautifully with the last scene right. of the movie, which right. is the love scene. Right. Um, and how had you met Lindsay? I met Lindsay through the musician Woodkid, who French uh, okay. composer, musician, DJ, and his he had a dancer friend who was not that he knew I wanted a dancer because I didn't know, uh, but he had a friend who was coming to New York and he thought that we would get along. So Jeez. it was a date. Oh wow! It was a date. It was a blind date, uh, and it was great. And we had another date, and and then but she lives in Athens, so but she's from New Canaan. Check. Wow. Check that box. Tri-state wow. area considered yes. by some. Yes. And so, what is your? <laughs> do you mind if I ask what your relationship is? Now? I mean, our you know the way we kind of, the way we see our project is dancing a relationship. Yeah. So it's it's a relationship that really exists within a project that's ongoing, and and it's amazing because you share this thing that's absolute intimacy. Yeah. Uh, but has no, you know, no domestic risks. Is your plan to find like a finite structure to what will be performed? Or are you going to try to stay in an improvisatory modality for performance? You know, the, what's interesting is I, I started working with this woman named Carissa Bledsoe, who is a, I know there's a more official word for it, but she's a notationist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's in Paris and so she can you know at first when I was when I was talking with her I would send her pieces of dance and she would notate them Wow. so then I would you know I would send her a piece of improv and then she would notate it and that would be the choreography that could then be repeated by anybody later on uh, well one of the like three people who could read the hieroglyphics yeah I mean she's she's amazing <clears throat> she's amazing queer um, from the south who moved to New York and then went to Paris on a, just a need-to-know basis. Mm-hmm. And, and then decided to stay there. And then decided to get a degree at one of the dance places in notation. So mm-hmm. she's been doing, yeah. she just did her thesis on Elizabeth Streb. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, the plan for me is to basically work from start to finish of this script, playing out those movements, with myself and the dancers that I'm working with in various uh, combinations. So it might be that I'm pushing the table in the opening scene. It might be that I'm on someone's back as they're pushing the table. It may be that I'm in the corner while they move by. You know, there's, there's kind of, there'll be options. And then the plan is basically to edit a film of the script. And then from that film, anyone can make this ballet. Or it can be notated and it can be a ballet that's performed later by myself and my dancers or any other company that would want to. I mean, I'm not a filmmaker per se. I'm certainly not a dancer. I'm not a choreographer. Uh, I am an editor, I am a writer, and I have time on my hands. Right. What is just striking me, though, is that also you have some background in journalism and obviously visual arts. So in listening to your ideas about how you're going to approach this, like for me, I'm instantly like, oh, yeah, you make a dance and then it's gone. It disappears into the universe. But to 
approach it in a way where you're starting from something visual and and lasting, something that will be a record, and then to go into a place where there can be performances based on this record. It's like a very, it's a different approach than I think about, but it's really smart. It is the huge well, problem with dance. It's, that been, it just it's disappears. been like my ultimate heartbreak has been making 16 pieces and then having them. Well, that's what, see, for me, it the, the, the biggest, the difference is in dance. I'm an image maker. Right. So when I'm dancing with somebody, I often want to pause and say, when you're making images, do you blah, blah, blah. And they don't, A, pause, and B, think about them as images. They think about them as passages or days, you know, what I did that day on the Marley. And for me, I'm, I can only think, as I'm under someone's body, what does that look like? Right. Right? It took me, it took me a while to, to acknowledge the fact that the feeling was so good. You know, and the touch and the permission was so exciting. But in the beginning, it was like anything that I do, I'm a lion and I go out and I hunt and then I drag home my carcass and mm -hmm. look at it, right. you know, and groom it mm -hmm. and then devour it. Right. Um, and so whenever I, you know, with Katie, with anyone I work with, I, I tape everything and, and then I look at it you know, at home and I take stills and I like find passages and I, and I, you know, gasp at how beautiful something is and I'm embarrassed at how, you know, awkward I am in certain moments and then surprised at how femme I am often hmm. and how, you know, my attempts at lifting, you know, my lifts have gotten much better, but, you know, given a choice, I'll, I'd love to be lifted, you know, Same. And, and dancing, <laughs> you know, dancing with Vincent is so amazing because, um, well, first of all, it, it, it really showed me that, in fact, you know, there is such a thing as a phallus, mm. and there is a difference in strength, um, and he has a real uh, privilege when it comes to dancing with me because he can do whatever he wants with me, and no one else that I, you know, Katie can lift me, and we've worked on that a lot, but she can't do it in an instant. She can't do it with no preparation. Mm -hmm. um, he can do it whenever, and it allows me to just simply be a snowflake in a room and I can just go anywhere and I know that he'll catch me. When mm -hmm. he grabs me, I know, you know, it will be fine for the most part. When I watch the video, I think, oh my God, I'm like risking my, like, you know, I have a big shoot next week. <laughs> if I break my arm, I'm really fucked. Or if I'm like paralyzed. Right. Um, then I'm really fucked. But, you know, what's, <clears throat> what's really interesting with, I think, all the dancers, but that Vincent really kind of articulated it in the best way. He said, you know, when I'm dancing with you, I don't know where you're going. And he said, sometimes I think to myself, oh, she's not going that way, she's going this way. Hmm. And so it makes his responses and his counter movements much quicker and, and uncertain. So he's sort of freed of a lot of what I call the flamboyance and decoration of dance. Hmm. Two things I have no interest in. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in, in, you know, extreme beauty. I have no interest in solos. You know, I need them sometimes for this piece, but... Well, and I was curious about that because she's so alone. I mean, yes. there's uh, this this movie is so much about the a kind of an abandonment in the mind that happens in isolation. And so I 
been curious in terms of the bringing in of other bodies and that there's an interesting narrative that happens inside of that or this other narrative about where we ask people to come in to help shoulder that burden in terms of choreography that then has this other biography on it for you in terms of desire and dance which I think is really that holds so much heartbreak and tenderness to me in terms of and watching it because you I've watched what you've been posting and I've also been thinking about this film and then seeing these other bodies come in in this way and then knowing you invited them in and then knowing that you filmed it and that you're watching it can you speak about that or the or that maybe well I mean it's it's such a good it's such a good uh subject and I actually as you say it I think oh you know, there's this isolation in one room and there's a duet in another room. Yeah. But in the isolation room, once I bring someone in, like, say, Sophia Parker, who I think about sort of the most in that room with me, then we become again a pair. Mm-hmm. There becomes a pair. Um, and so I think what's really going to happen in that room is that it's a pair that's not in emotional contact. Right. So there's there's an aloneness in both figures. And I think the way I dance with Sophia, that's just naturally inherent. Like we have so much kind of trust and we're so, I mean, she's my youngest, she's the youngest dancer I work with. And, but I feel like there's like a lot of commonality in terms of um, the way we look to be kind of directed and the way we sort of like want to rebel. and. For me, since I'm not a choreographer, I'm very happy to have dancers come into the room who are told what to do in other places and get to do what they want when they're with me. So they are essentially choreographing or leading what's happening. Um, But I don't, you know, it's, I think that what I aspire to in the piece is that it's, uh, it's not rehearsed so that I don't even have the patience. I wouldn't have the patience. And I also don't think that there's a kind of perfection. It's only like, we do this and then we do that. And how long do you want to do this? And what's your idea about this scene? And how would you play this scene? And so Sophia and I, more than with anybody, have sort of, we've taken time uh, in, in each session that we hang out. We dance for a while together. And then she dances and I film her. And I give her some direction. And, and so we've kind of like workshopped pushing things or, or moving or like working with clothing. And there's something about her pace that feels very much like the film. And, and I'm not sure if she's even seen the film. Mm. But it's a, and, and, and the interesting thing too is that, you know, Chantel's body is such a body of the 70s. It's such a kind of, it's very physical and it's very heavy and grounded. You know, Chantal has said that she needed to be in it. And I think I need to be in it because I need to own the desire to be looked at. And I think that's what this whole transition in my work has been in this last year, which is like a a wanting to be vulnerable to wanting to be looked at. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, I've looked at so many people in my work and I've, you know, there's a kind of promiscuity to photography, mm. but... And, and control. And control and direction. And so now I, 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 especially when I look at video footage of me shooting, I don't shoot like other people and I never have. There's something about the way I move 
and taking pictures that's like tracing the body. Mm. And I think it's always been about wanting to kind of cross across and get so close to being physical with another body. Well, and that feels that that completely ties into when the sort of this beginning impulse at the wrestling match and that you felt so glad that you didn't touch anyone or that you were able to maintain the the photographer's ability to uh, be there and be not there and yet right. leave with that I was there. And yeah. so that this then is this really cross through that line and through the through the veils to it actually being investigated and touched. There is something too with the bodies coming into these solo moments of that you that have been so impactful for you that also reminds me weirdly of or my mind goes to the crew that was there while she's doing this that there were people yeah there that this film that looks so in isolation in reality is not yeah it's hard to it's hard to, I mean the whole I remember when I was editing the film and then printing out the stills like you know, grabbing stills, which was a really, you know, arduous process because you're you're seeing this whole thing and, and so you fast forward and you move back to like, okay, do I want to know how this hand moves? Right. Or do I want to understand where there's sort of, you know, the bodies are moving quickly in bed and when they're slow and contemplative and what's the difference between this scene and that scene in the bed? And I was thinking, you know, I'm mapping out a place for my body to go with somebody else. Um, and they did this right. in front of right. people. And I may do this in front of people. And it's it's a very different feeling when you think about planning something like that for yourself and somebody that you know. And 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 in a you know in a relationship in which you've essentially been moving towards this, you know, for almost a year. Like moving towards this like climax of getting as close as you can both to like a historical piece and the idea of you know jouissance mm-hmm. and and it, I was just reading uh, this French writer Elizabeth Lebovici who was friends with Chantal and, and and wrote a couple of pieces on her and she she remarks on the same thing that I thought about when I was uh, grabbing the stills that there's no fucking right because everything else is is relatively easy to to make and it is or it isn't mm-hmm. except for fucking right so if if my head is between someone's legs <laughs> you don't know really what's happening but if my hand is in someone's vagina you do right and and i love that in the piece that there's this you know it makes total sense that it's movement and it's and it's emotional projections and it's tempo, and it's like abstract because it's two women's bodies together, and there's no dick. Interesting. I mean, that's the real soundbite. Is, is, is there um, is there like a a finite date for when you plan on finishing this, or when other people will be able to see it? Well, I mean, I you know, it's like tick, tick, tick on this on this body. You know, I was really inspired. The, the reason that I, I met Wendy was because we had the same surgery. And so when I saw her film on mm. Netflix and I saw what happened to my hip, I knew I had to meet her. 
and then um, and I pursued trying to shoot her for something and amazingly Vogue magazine called and asked if I would shoot her and I've said no to every Vogue call that I've got because I've never been interested but this was the call I've been waiting for and um, you know and we talked about like having this body that's a certain age and um, you know I, t I took a lot of pictures of her to take pictures of her legs mm. and to really understand like you know what that what that 52 or 53 is compared to my own um, and you know I the, the time frame is just that I mean I can't do this forever I can't be like rehearsing with Katie and you know calling up dancers and booking time at CPR like there has to be a moment in which I actually start to you know solidify and I think that's why it was important to make the script right so you know I've foreseen like the next two months Hopefully, I mean, like, what else? Wow, you know? my jaw just dropped well, that's, at that. That's that just like game. you know, starting to like. Though I do love that it'll be in the de the depression of the trilogy of terror, which is Thanksgiving, oh, Christmas, Hanukkah, like, and New Year's. If I'm like trilogy. understanding it correctly, it yeah. sounds like a kind of cozy process in the way that you can mm -hmm. film privately yes. with rehearsals, but right. that will actually be the product once edited. Yes. So it's not like there's the pressure of an audience. Right. Right. I mean, the funny thing, the funny thing is that um, at the very beginning, you know, there was, I never had a sense of performance, right? Um, and, but when you work with performers, that's their kind of, you know, that's their catnip. So you're like working with people who are like dying. We're not dying, but who are excited Might by the be. notion. <laughs> And, you know, me, who's, like, completely terrified. And so it's it's switched back and forth between, you know, is this something that's projections in, you know, as an installation, and then there's performative aspects of it. Maybe, like, multiple artists can come in and perform along with the film that's projected on walls. I mean, I come from an art place, but I so dislike the art world. Um, so, you know, I, I, wanna, I wanted to make this uh, T-shirt that said, I was on the cover of Freeze magazine and all I got was this lousy art world. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Well, it's, I, I think that... The, because it's, because it's, it's ultra-capitalism and it's right. still the patriarchy. Right. And the dance world has very little capital and um, the patriarchy is changing. But there's still so much oppression in the dance world that I feel yeah. like Glinda the Good. You know, I go in and I say, you can have the body you have. You can wear what you want to wear. And you can dance the part you want to dance. Right. As And giving them a place that... And then giving them a space inside of that to be with someone else who's also very curious in what they're doing. And at the same time isn't... Reed and I feel... We talk about this with frequency on this podcast about choreographers who have the dancers make the material and then say, I'm the choreographer. And what's interesting to me in this process is you've continually, through this interview, said, I'm not a choreographer. No, I'm not a choreographer. I play one in the film. Right. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm And I think clearly, that's a really... I would not claim those movements as my own. I, I only claim... Uh, creating the space in which right. to make them. Right. Because I also have no... I have no investment in it. 
you know, and I, and I understand, you know, like being a fashion photographer at the end of the day, my name is on a picture and 20 other people have worked on it. So if I want to be a pig, I can do it in that arena. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to do it in, in, in this one. And I don't need to, uh, you know, I'd love not to dump a ton of money into it. But right. I also am lucky enough to, you know, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it because I, I need to work in this place. I'm doing it because I needed to work someplace else. Uh, right it's a it's a project not a commission what do you know how much i love it it's like clear it's really deep it's so i mean when when we started chatting out i was and i'm again i'm so thank you so much for coming and talking with us it's like it's really i think it is this thing of how do we how do we come to the thing with inspiration and love and also when it's about the body when it's in that reality and where and how, at least for me, dance has, in, at some times where I've seen things where I felt like the reality of the body's been taken away, actually. And that pain is so weird to me. So to have someone come and have it be about the, these real origin elements for me that are about the reality of the body and the bo another body within itself, it's really beautiful. It's really inspiring. And I think it's, um, and also that you are so frank about, about it feels it's, I love demystifying and having it be about the real emotional content of well, necessity. How, how great is dance? I mean, like I almost wanted to say, oh my God, you guys have had this the whole time, mm. you know, um, where you can literally touch and be touched and move and kind of get out of your head. And, but I just have to say the craziest experience I, I probably had or the most where I was physically uncomfortable was watching Katie Workham's um, uh, authentic movement workshop. And that guy... Uh, Ele at MoMA? No, no. It was at CPR. They were rehearsing and it was Eleanor... What's it? Hulahan? Bauer? Yeah, no, Hulahan. Not Hulahan. Bauer. No, uh, it was Eleanor and Emily. What's, they would oh. dance together. Oh, right, right. Yes, you know. Molly? It's Molly. Molly Eleanor Lieber. and Molly. Yes. And Eleanor. Molly and Eleanor. Yeah, so Eleanor was there and David Thompson was there. Yes. There were, and Just Katie was there. So there's like, uh, you know, five dancers or six dancers. And they did authentic movement, and I saw Emily in the hallway, and I was like, "Oh, can I watch?" And Molly, no, Eleanor. No. Oh, it was Eleanor. Okay. So I and, <laughs> Here and, we go. and she said, "Okay, let me go ask. We'll take a vote. I'll get back to you." And so I stood outside the door, and then they voted, and I was able to come in. And so I watched, and it was it was long. It was like forty five minutes. And at some point, all the pairs, you know, they were in pairs. All the pairs kind of were on the Marley together, and then slowly pairs kind of left as alarms went off. And I was the only one that saw the whole thing and nobody taped it. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted to do was tape it and they could care less because yeah. they did it. They had it in them. Yeah. And so to me, that's like been this, like, I will never be there. I will never ever be there because I will always want the proof and the images. Mm -hmm. But I was really inspired and understood for the first time that there's something as great. It's just that it's as great for the person doing it. This is this is good 
this is good information. Dancers come from a culture that does place so little emphasis and value on the product that will last and everything does just happen and disappear. We're so accustomed to it that it just sort of goes without saying that you would basically perform a work or create a thing and nobody saw it or one person saw it, it wasn't filmed and it's okay, it's fine. But what is true is that like, it won't happen again, our bodies will deteriorate, none of this is being recorded. And in the end, like we keep saying it, I keep saying it with my friends who are now getting to an age where we're retiring that we're left with nothing. Like dance leaves you with nothing, but you are helping to, well, for me anyways, bring some ideas around like how we can not be left with nothing, how we can be left with something that can not only bring us information, but also maybe, you know, money or something, like be left with something in the future as opposed to just these broken bodies. So it's really good that people like you who have a lot of generosity about dance and who aren't just coming in to exploit it can bring knowledge around how to how to record the past in a way there's also i mean and for me there's i feel also a sense of or it's important to be reminded of what i have gotten from it that also won't leave there's also these ways in which that i have a direct experience with my body that is not everyone's that is that is and i would certainly say is true for you reed like and when i think of the amount of you have so reed has way more facility than i have Though I have, are you saying Reed's a better dancer? Oh yeah, no, a different I, dancer. Yeah, I would. That's, a taller that's dancer. The, that's a better way to say it. I would say Reed yeah. has more facility through yeah. his joints. My hips are very shallow, but also but there's like things I, I can it's, do. It's you know, it's a totally different thing. There's like dancers who have like a certain kind of training and develop this kind of articulation that leads to skill and leads to the ability to take certain kinds of risks but doesn't necessarily lead to being a good dancer true like being a good dancer can be inside of a body that has none of that articulation and you want to watch that person but you don't necessarily want to watch the person whose body can do anything well i think it's also you know i i have a need for a certain kind of dance or activity in my work uh, and I just don't need, you know, I'm probably spoiled because in a way, I, you know, I'm working with dancers that I think are really talented. And so, yes, I have like dancey dancers, um, but I don't, I don't need myself nor them to communicate great dancing as much as I need them to kind of flesh out these really intense pockets of communication which for us would mean great dancing. Whereas like someone can, you know, lift their leg all the way up and around and we can be like, okay, that's, that is um, technique. So that, and that's very different from, and it's, I mean, we can think of this through art. There's people who are like, oh, well that is um, painted well. And it's, uh, looks blue chip and I'm sure it'll sell. And, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's great. It might actually mean it's safe. And I think that that especially, that can be the thing too, which you're also creating for these dancers as a place when you're able to exit safety. It's what I always wanted to do in my work was to make a place for these people to exit safety and to have risk and vulnerability. 
and and fun. Yes. And oh fun. my God! And please. Like, and yeah. And kind of just you know, I think that what I look for in a in you know that like way of moving my body or cardio. Um, mm. I mean, it's like fitness for me. My body's completely changed from doing it, and I don't even do it that much. Uh, is is just like, you know, free form, and that's like the authentic movement and right. the improv thing. But you know, I have such a hard time when I watch, re- you know, most dance because it gets it's very distracting for me, and I'm I kind of like I'll look at it later after I do this project, but I really can't be bothered with <laughs> you know these demonstrations mm. of elegance or right. flexibility or you know. All these amazing things. It's like opera to me, you know, like what people can do. But unless it has like a point of view, unless it's driving to tell, you know, and that's the art person in me and the writer person in me. That yeah. I'm, I'm just like, I am forcing dance to tell this story. And, and what, what I kind of feel most excited about is like, I'm not redoing Chantal Ackerman. No, you really aren't. I'm making a dance of right, it. Right. And dance historically is danced and redanced and redanced. And so, you know, it's very different than making an art project that's redoing, you know, restaging. It's this is like working within a form, an art form, correct me if I'm wrong, gets redone and redone and redone. You know, like I just saw Balanchine with Wendy, mm-hmm. right? And that was not a new production. Right. That was well. I think that's the thing about like, especially and is that how what you say it, Balanchine or is it mm-hmm. Balanchine? It's Balanchine, but I live okay. for Balanchine, and I'm gonna start saying it that way um, because I, well, but Balanchine. Um, but that's also a thing of what kind of dance, and especially when if we're gonna talk about the, the patriarchy and where money is gonna go to, and where money has gone to for the longest period of time, it's also in zones that are about um, safety. You know, it's like a low risk investment. And so it's uh, where it's very different in terms. And it was interesting to even hear about you growing up and then seeing, you know, yes, dance companies and the Nutcracker and then seeing Dance Noise, which was functioning in a totally different funding structure. Like it can't even compare. And I think that that's also something that's really, that's also very true. I mean, the kind of dance that, so, I mean, Reed and I have, been between both worlds. Reed has really been in ballet. I have experience of going to watch it and having worked with them, but Reed's really been in that structure. Whereas I've been in the structure where it's like, here's $5,000, good luck. And then you work for a year and then it's over. It's gone. You know, it's like, that's, I'm, I think that for me, the other thing that I've heard you talk about that I was getting to is the pleasure that you're having and the pleasure that can happen through dance that is something that can't be taken away. And that rem- I, it's, and it's good to be reminded of it. Um, like last week, I went in and just danced around with uh, our friend who's a choreographer, Burr Johnson. And it wasn't for, it's not going to go anywhere. We just danced for a while. And I did, I was able to connect with this thing that I, is innate. In it's me. so crazy for me because I can't do that. You know, because I'm so kind of, it, it's already so much that I'm dancing, the idea that I'd be dancing just to to dance, dance, I don't know, maybe in a couple of years, but right now it's all kind of, it's, you know, it's to move this thing, which I wasn't even sure I was going to really, I mean, it started as a sentence, right? 
I'm turning a Chantal Ackerman film into a ballet. And it's like, poof. You know, it, it, it's, it sounds so right. And so, of course, you know, it needs to be done. Uh, but it also is, you know, don't get me wrong. It's daunting, you know, as, as an idea. But, it, you know, I just kind of one rehearsal at a time. Um, well, it also sounds like you're coming into the process with like an extreme amount of structure and organization, which is, in my experience, where a lot of choreographers really fuck up coming into the studio <laughs> with like bodies and resources and no ideas mm, and you've out. actually done the work well so. I'm an idea person you know that's like my that's my bag right so there's a misconception that like a whole a, a string of of steps can become something good but unfortunately it cannot well you know the thing is before this ballet the whole point was that I was going to be working with dancers and performers to make pieces that would then be, say, you know, in an institution where you would walk through rooms and someone would be doing one thing and someone mm. would be doing something else and there would be films and photos because I was so interested in the way of, like, you know, the documentary photos from um, Carol Lee Schneeman mm -hmm. or Yvonne Rayner, the fact that, like, you didn't have to be there and you might not have stayed had it had you gone mm. but you've got these kind of beautiful <clears throat> photographs in movement and so I wanted to make that and and that was like still keeping me you know firmly in the art world and then when I thought about the ballet and I started dancing in the work rather than just kind of facilitating micro ideas then I was like fuck that shit you know I'm making a ballet because I want to live here and I want to experience my body in this new way which is like so, you know, I was saying, and I know I'm rambling on, but I was saying to Katie, you know, I, when I think about myself in the room dancing, I think about a boy ballet dancer. Hmm. But when I see myself dancing, I feel so femme. And it's really, it's really been kind of uh, affirming to, to watch that and see that that person can exist. It's not just a kind of failed butch. It is someone who identifies physically as looking like a boy, but somebody that, you know, given a chance, you know, will get on tiptoes and like tilt their head back and, you know, has dance feet. That's just all like historical perception in terms of like watching a lyrical body as opposed to like a kind of stiffer kind mm -hmm. of movement where we associate the lyrical body as feminine and the other one is not but it's not i mean it doesn't have to be that way you can it's be true. whatever you want yeah you can really transit but i do can i show you my foot yes beautiful right? looks good it's not bad well this one you're right is yeah you're especially you're right yeah. this one is better yeah they're very nice. They're yeah. very extended they're very nice. from the shin. <laughs> extend, extend from the, when when you're doing. That's now, basically all I have. Now when you're you doing a lot, you your shoe like when you're doing work, do you feel does this haunt you like a lover? You mean the fact that like I could have been a dancer, but no, no, just right now in this process, oh, yes. like when because we were because you and I were texting and you had to go. I think. To France? First you went to England and then France, I think. You were doing, like, a bunch of shoots. Oh, I went to Italy and... Yeah. Right. And and I and I was curious about... Because when we would sort of talk about this 
process and I can feel when I'm away your from pleasure. It. Yeah. Yes. So when you have to go and do the work and show up and you're, you know, yeah. doing your, your gig, uh, that you're also very passionate about. And it's clear in the shots. Like that's also very, it's clear that that's not just a job. It, no, that you no, also it's, really, it's, it's, that there's like so I much love heart it. and I love it that, and you work with Mel sometimes who I've known yes. forever. And yes. I really, the two of you yeah. together would we're be very good. We're very camp Jews. In New York. I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, the two of you, and it's I a say real... camp like Holocaust and Judy right. Garland. <laughs> right. Right. It's like mm-hmm. that. That's how she means it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, and camp when, like Holocaust camp to like Judy, Judy Garland. Garland. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when good and plenty <laughs> so, so when you when you're on those shoots are you haunted by this i mean you bit. know I, i'm sure you're very focused i will at tell work. you that in general now when i walk down the street or wait for the elevator there are times when i start like i do i mean it's embarrassing but i do like start to move and articulate in the elevator even stuff that i wouldn't do in rehearsal because I'm too embarrassed to be so dancey mm. but my body you know hears certain songs I mean also I've been I've been photographing West Side Story oh so I could get in on Ana Teresa Kiramacher's work our friend Mark is in that really beautiful Mark Crusillet you oh yes of course yeah. the brother he's yeah. being and his sister he's and being his... one of the girl dancers yeah he sure is he's a shark woman yeah and I'll be shooting him tomorrow with his sister oh. I requested them specifically Good. In studio. They're the best story about that show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. tell. And how about her? They're both yeah. so gorgeous. Yeah. They're both so real. I'll see them tomorrow. I'll tell Mark that. Yeah. Tell him that Jack and Reed say hey. Yeah, I will. So, you know, like all of this stuff, like I've had America in my head now mm. since I watched it rehearsing for two days. Um, and, you know, so I'm like, all this dance stuff is going in and out of my head. It's in my body. And, you know, when I talk to people, that's what I talk about. And they're so surprised and so happy to not hear about art or fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's it's kind of um, like you're bringing, well, you're bringing someone from the third world into, you know, this like the Fifth Avenue of art art forms. You know, and I, and I, I don't mean to say that in like a, a stupid way because I know it's also like very privileged, you know, in a sense, but... It's just, it it's not something, theater. it's not something that most people I talk to mm-hmm. talk about. They don't, you know, it's not a, a primary interest. It's not uh, a fantasy. It's something that people see, but they don't see it like they see bands. No. You and know? also what do they see and what do they have access to? I mean, I think that's always the thing with the more contemporary, the practice who has access to that instead of the things that are more tried and true that we all have access to in the subscription audience sort of format. And then have you found that it's affected your shooting? I think I'm much more, you know, yeah. I mean, I talk to people, when I talk to them, and I go up to them with my camera and I say, you know, I could ask you to do this or I could do this to you. Right. And so, and then they're just like, oh, I just want to dance. You know, people people say that. They just, you know, they, or, you know, so many people also that I shoot ended up having danced. You know, mm. so there's a lot of uh, actresses or models that have, you know, and they'll say, oh, but I dance, or I love dancing, or I used to Timothy dance. Timothy and Saoirse looked very, oh, yeah, very I mean, flow. I don't know if she's a dancer, but, you know, he's 
he's a dancer and a prancer. Yeah, yeah. For, for is, sure. Is, yeah. So your bread and butter is photographing notable people for publications? No, that's not bread and butter. No. That's a good challenge. Oh. And an interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, my bread and butter is, is um, you know, is... is is fashion. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I get to, you know, with Louis Vuitton, I get to um, shoot celebrities and get paid for it. And this is for but campaigns as opposed to editorial stuff. Yes. Okay. Editorial doesn't pay. No, no. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, it's in the way that like a lot of times you have to pay to dance. When you do editorial, you often have to pay to do it because what someone is willing to pay you to do it isn't very much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a whole kind of Libra scale um, and has that has that structure changed in fashion over the years from because of um, like advertisements or something? Because I feel like in the past they used to like spend a zillion dollars to send you know Stephen oh, Mizell right. to Antarctica to like they you just know, don't shoot. they don't yeah. really do that anymore. Right. I mean, this you know doing this uh, project for the New Yorker, I've gone a couple of times to shoot and then at the rehearsals and then oh, this is we'll for um, West Side. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I was in Europe and I had a vision of like, ah, oh, I should be at those rehearsals so I can meet Ana Teresa and watch her work. I, I don't, you know, I've been doing commercial work since like the mid-90s, but in a smaller way, in that way when I was primarily an artist. And now I'd say I'm primarily a fashion photographer because I think it's more radical. I think the audience is larger. I think you can do more you can impact society in a much broader way than making something for, you know, a gallery or some museum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, you know, in, in a way, I went into fashion the same way I went into dance. I never worked for a fashion photographer. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to do studio lighting, but I figured I had the ideas. So I just kind of bullshitted until I learned. So it's the same with dance. This is good. We're learning from you. This is lessons for us and I mean, our listeners. what next? Will I, like, you know, write a poem? But you did. You've yeah. already written a yeah, poem. I, I mean, I feel like what you sent me, it's a poem. The one, the, the one that just is, like, the... Oh, um, yeah. The yeah, thoughts. that's a poem. That's... I was thinking about that Yvonne Rayner thing, you know? I mean, I, I haven't Which read that Which one? Listener. The No Manifesto? Yes. And then how she sort of changed things, and I thought, this is, like, so... Like, I love the idea that you can say emphatically something and then change your mind. Absolutely. Imperative. You know, and so that's like my feeling with this ballet. It's a statement. I'm making this ballet. It starts from the script. Does it have to adhere to everything? No. Right. You know, can I switch places with somebody? Yes. Will I be naked? Probably. You know, am I excited about that? Of course. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Honesty. And then I'm and I'm curious when you f- film it. Oh, that's the big question. Yeah, because I'm wondering That's a whole other kitten. Because the there's girl. like apartment, but then I'm also now yeah. I'm thinking about Lindsay in Athens. And right. I'm like, is that what you know you what's go? crazy? What's crazy is a couple of years ago in Paris, I did a shoot with uh, Leticia Costa, who is French actress with Louis Garrel, okay, hottest guy in Paris. Um, and she was like the guest model, yeah. like in the 90s or something. So I shot her for German magazine. And I and this is way before I thought about dance or, you know, this ballet. But I had the idea to, to shoot her as though she was 
the housewife in Jean Dillman. I don't know that one. That's the Chantal Ackerman. That's the major Ackerman film okay. about the housewife in Paris that oh. irons and cleans. Oh, and right. Then, and then it has, like, John's come three days a week right, to support right, herself. Right. And I had just had this vision of, like, oh, we should shoot her in this kitchen from that film. And so we made the plan to do that. Had a set designer in Paris. I show up. He literally built the kitchen. I've never seen anything like it. He had the stove, he had the cabinet, he had the dishes. He built everything. He had the wallpaper and the curtains. What the fuck? And so then I had Costa, you know, laying on her back on the kitchen table, writhing. I mean, you know, talk about movement and openness. Like, the number one person who is full-bodied, like, makes you feel like when you're shooting her that you're moving together in very precarious and, and lovely ways. And so... You know, I think about how much that set cost. I know <laughs> that we didn't pay for that. I know the magazine didn't pay for it. It was just like Alexander Bach, this uh, set designer, like really wanted to make it. It's a labor of love. It was, it was incredibly beautiful. And so I'm going to write to him and try and figure out. I mean, this is actually not a very complicated set no. to make. Um, but I am okay with the idea that certain pieces are filmed in different places. Absolutely. It's just, it's just, you know, there are certain signifiers like a bag of sugar, right. you know, and you can take that anywhere. And I love the idea of working with Lindsay in Athens and in Connecticut and in Brooklyn and, you know. Well, and the ways in which film goes everywhere, there's also something to the way that this can go everywhere. You know, it's yeah. sort of meaning that film itself, when it's done, I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't, I didn't go see... Primarily, it wasn't like what I was getting to see was theater and dance and live art. I was getting to see movies, and that's what impacted my whole life. And they were how able... much did you love Sound of Music? I love the Sound of Music. Guess, so Reed loves it, and like I'm I okay love it. with it. My sister, is, I don't like uh, musicals. I love the Sound of Music. Same. Yeah, same. my sister's pretty butch. Loves the Sound of Music. She loves Julie Andrews. She has like a whole relationship. I love with, the Nazi. With the oh, the guy, the boy, the pretty Ralph. boy, Rolf. Yeah, Rolf. I'm probably, you know, in that narrative, I probably liked the Countess, like a kind of icy oh, woman. The Baroness. The Baroness. The Baroness. Who's kind of like, nah, okay, whatever. I mean, it was, it's not how I grew up. I grew up like poor in rural Wisconsin. So I love the idea of this sort of like rich, aloof woman who's like, guess she's yours. Bye. I mean, it was everything she had I wasn't. She had a wardrobe. She had a beautiful like, golden really dress. Really great yeah. outfits. Yeah. Um, I did want to be a nun as a child. I was obsessed with that. But, you know, I also wanted to be um, Tammy Stronach, the empress with no name, who mm -hmm. cries out for Bastion. Never story. I mean, that's the thing. We all have the things we love, and we all, I think, get glimpses into, like, inhabiting that space. Yeah. There are moments when you just inhabit that space. And, um, you know, I think working in dance really is allowing for failures or claiming failures or imperfections and you know I mean I was talking to you at the beginning about seeing a performance and getting something out of it and then somebody not liking it right and and it really kind of like when I go through that I have these like jolts of like people are going to laugh or people mm -hmm. aren't going to like it or they're going to think it's stupid and I and it's really that's the thing I have to fight that more than the body. But then I just think, oh, but it's so good. Why would someone like please it? Please feel free to have a very ongoing phone calls with me about that. It's I have, hard. I have been, 
excoriated for being vulnerable. And I've also been praised. And when you do put your body in front of others, you open yourself up to a very different kind of assassination than anything else I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, like when someone writes something on my Instagram, I write back often. I kind of can't believe someone would say a certain kind of thing. And then other people say to me, why would you even write back? And it's like, leave no stone unturned. Like, do they really think that? And then I think, oh my God, is it true? Like I give weight to every impression. You know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of narcissist that doesn't see, you know, all of the kind of, kind of like fuck yous. Right. And then I question them. I think, is it useful to think what's, what's wrong with this? Well, I think that can be useful. I mean, for me, that was why I selected a dramaturg early on who was going to be like a wall for me, who was going to say things to me that I was going to have to really either stand up for or bend to. Well, that's Carissa Bledsoe for me because she said two hours into our meeting, we had a three-hour meeting, two hours she was sort of drilling me on what my project was, which was really great, you know, because I was very lax about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and she kind of was like, And she was like, let's talk about the labor of the body. She was like, (laughs) step two. And then in, in the third hour, she said, you know, you have to be aware that you have black bodies in your work. You know, and time stopped because obviously I am aware of it. Mm. Um, and we talked about it for a while. And and then she kind of agreed that it was okay. Um, you know, and that's a shorthand. But but she used that word drama, drama, dramaturg. Yeah. yeah. So she's a, she's a bit of a, you know, because she's the only one I'm working with that's not dancing with me. Right. So she has the ability to step outside and see it and question. I always suggest inviting in people who you feel are not going to like it and that are friends of yours. I invite, I'll invite people who I'm like, I oh, don't, I'm not doing that. I don't know if they're going to like it. <laughs> well, but then I get to feel what's true, what's not. And then it, it preps me for later when, you know, people do feel they get to say whatever they want because, um, that's, they feel they get to, but then you get to consider the source. That's always imperative. That whenever someone makes a critique, consider who's making it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm running this by people yeah. like yourself. And I mean, yeah. Though I'm so full in, so it's You're like, full you in, know. Right? Yeah. You signed up. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really pro this. Also, and we haven't talked, I mean, so much of everything I've made has been based on film. It's, but again, it's like, that was my, that's what I grew up with. And there's something interesting to me, too, in that in, when I was growing up, it was also in the advent of VHS and that you could rewind and watch. And for me, that's rehearsal, that you get to rewind and watch and rewind and watch. And there is this OCD element, certainly, to it that is about repetition. Funny thing is Lindsay's father was the person that basically kind of brought VHS to people. I want to meet Lindsay. I'm hyper. I mean, you, well, you're. Oh, wait, she knows somebody, you know, it's terrifying. That that? sentence can be absolutely terrifying. Oh, and she did ask about this Guggenheim thing. Oh, right. Because one of the hosts is Jack Ferber. It's weird because I feel like I know him, but I'm not sure where we met. Mm. Well, I can't wait. What's the Guggenheim thing? Is you did the costumes for it? It's the Merce thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That's but, tonight. Yeah, but it's it's um, 
I got, I mean, the whole kitten seat was for this huge thing that happened in the spring called Hundred Solos. Right. That happened in three cities. So this is like... We um, created all the costumes. This is like... For a, all the cities. This is an That's event, amazing. an event version that of that like, event. Is that like a gold mine for you? No. Nothing's no. a gold mine in this field. Fuck. I and know. T- but I feel like if we worked in ballet, it could be. Absolutely not. Do you know who pays the least? I should... I won't even say. Um, <laughs> uh, oh. But I will say it's the richest ballet company in America. They absolutely pay the least. Oh, it's just like... It's hard, Collier. It's really I just, hard. You know what? You know when I knew it must be hard? When when Wendy took me backstage, which I had such a marvelous time with her. She took me backstage She's in so between lovely. the Balanchine and the Merce. Mm-hmm. And she introduced me to this blonde guy who was dancing the Merce with a great dance. Adrian. Adrian. Yeah. And I met his boyfriend quickly. Joseph. Joe, Joseph. Uh-huh. And Adrian had said he was on an Instagram uh, detox. Mm. So when I posted, I sent the image to his boyfriend just so Adrian could see it. And the boyfriend loved the picture and then said, you know, if you ever need a dancer. And I thought, oh, it must be really tough because if people are asking me, can they dance? That's so, not why he was asking you. Though. Why? I think it was... Admiration. It wasn't about... But he da- doesn't even know. But dancers at New York City Ballet are well-paid, so they're okay. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. But, but I just... wouldn't... Thought- but it's it's not hard to find out about your career in a cursory Google, you oh, know? Really? Yeah, Joe, also think about his age and, like, I feel like, you know, any... Like, kids these days, they can open up nine tabs and be like, I know who you are. It's... Right. It's a different mix. Than like, hey, do you want to get a coffee? I mean, that's sort of right. little, at least more where where I came from, and I'm assuming. Yeah. And dancers now, because there's such an opportunity via social media, Instagram, to make even to make more money or to get more notoriety, yeah. to then associate with someone who is in the universe of making pictures is always kind of good for their career for their. Whatever. I mean, I recently learned that one of the most famous ballerinas in the world makes more money via Instagram than via her job as a dancer. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the market we have to tap here at dance and stuff. (laughs) The Instagram market, which we well, it's really you know I I always say like you know when someone wants to publish a book, I'm always like, look, I'm not a cash cow. You know, I can make cash, but I don't generally make cash for others. Right. You know, I'm just not that, I'm not famous in that way. Right. I'm just like, you know, I, I, I work a lot. And so, and I was smart to pick the fashion field as a place to work, like to ditch art. Cause it's, you know, it's just like, why? Um, I mean, they're both hideous, fashion and art. Well, you're at least a painter. Jeremy doesn't talk on this podcast ever. We've never been able to get a word out of him during uh, We got like one word once. It was, we did? I was a thrill oh. listening to the podcast yeah. to hear him say a word. But yeah, fashion and art are at this point so incredibly capitalist that it's it's difficult to know what to even understand. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but I, I went to fashion school and I thought that was my direction. And now, like, really seeing the fashion world and the visual arts world, I'm like, I don't know. I know. That's why, like, and I know that, of course, there's, like, you know, lots of burnout and there's lots of uh, disenfranchised people and broken people and you know sexually abused people like I know that in dance but I am in a bit of a my you know I made a dance bubble to live in mm. while I make the work mm-hmm. where I just you know I try not to engage with you know and I'm a, you know I'm aware of compensation and 
Um, and I have to, you know, it, I probably will write a grant or something to try and like fund this so that I can then like parcel out. Um, I mean, I'm not like, it. I'm not a grant magnet also. Like, I think it's, I think because I do fashion mm-hmm. and I also think if there's so, I don't know, there's like a million discussions, but I think, you know, I had to go out into fashion for a reason yeah. to make money. Yeah. We all have to. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Is there are some ways of working in fashion where you can really make money, right? And some ways of working in fashion where you cannot. Yeah. There are definitely more yeah. ways of working in fashion where you can make money than there are in dance. I There's would almost say. no ways to make money in dance. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it seems is, really like I don't. Really I don't correct. foresee making money in dance. Couldn't yeah. you have you ever done like has there ever been a dance and stuff that was like a marathon like a duration dance? Well, stuff? we absolutely you know maybe should. for our two hundredth episode we'll do a just come as you please. We're going to record for twenty four hours. But I will say this: we've been doing this every week since July of twenty seventeen. Every week, come rain, shine, or being in different countries. That's great. So in that way, I would say this is pretty durational. This is our duration. This our is project. the only thing I've made. I've we make no money from it. It's an art none. project. We make yeah zero dollars. You know, sometimes I have to ice after dance. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inflammation. I got hurt the first time I danced with Vincent because he, he said something that we could balance each other, and I was like, I don't think I can. He's like, Yes, you can. And I'm like, I don't think I can. He's like, Yes, you can. And then, you and then I was, like, limping that night, yeah. you know? Ice, tromiel, I think it's always good to have on hand. Oh, um, I can't take that. No, it's an ointment. Oh, okay. Advil's good. Advil. Ibuprofen. I always like Advil. I'm so Too... proud, though, and I have, like, a dance injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I strap yeah. the ice pack to <laughs> yeah, my that's really good. Like, you come into it. It's really good. Come into a shoot, and everyone's like, yeah. oh, my God, what's going on? I, well, I'm... I got hurt in dance. I, I got hurt in my rehearsal. What? My dance rehearsal. Yeah. yeah the moment I feel any pain from dancing at this point, I'm like, it's not worth it. I can't believe Absolutely. I'm involved in this Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. My knees have little, like, like, you know, like I was bleeding floor for burn. a bit. Sure. Yes. Yeah, that's... Because I love floor work. You, you have know? to you have to yeah. get the floor burn. That's all part yeah. of it. I have taken off... T- taking off the skin on my shoulders, I think, has been the thing I have not liked, for sure. And feet. The floor, the feet floor burn is a real meh. Knees, elbows, I'm a little bit... I mean, I can only go for so long. Right. You know, being, like, older and having the lung thing. Well, the lung thing, anyhow, you know, Balanchine only had one lung, as uh, Reed pointed out to me. When I I also have a lung thing, and Reed was like, well, Balanchine only had one, so... (laughs) Really? Mm Mm-hmm. He had one removed. Yeah. Black lung. Black lung. Yeah. Did you smoke? Uh, It's a complicated (laughs) situation. Yeah. Yeah. My thing is called hot tub disease. (gasps) Is it from being in a hot tub? Who knows? It comes from steam, the bacteria and steam. Oh. So it could be a hot tub, it could be a pool, it could be a shower. But yeah. it's lifelong. It can't get out of my body very easily. Right. Yeah. And then I also have Lady Windermere's disease. Oh, what's that? Of course How you beautiful. do. What is that? That is when the air. you need a fan. <laughs> it's always like... Because <coughs> Lady Windermere always coughs. Uh-huh. It's, it's like inflamed bronchial tubes. And then the Mac got in it to give me the hot tub disease. So it's two that. very glamorous, amusing, gay-sounding diseases. Well, you seem in good health. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, you biked here... What? You biked here. You look dancing, incredible. Dancing's been great for everything because it's like cardio. And, yeah. It's bad for your skin. I always break out when I'm in the middle of dance process because I don't like... You should wash your face immediately. Or you should like shower immediately. Oh, like MRSA on the... Or just, you know, sweat. Just yeah. sweat and dirt and all that. Yeah. All that, all that jizz. 
I know I just did this two week Cunningham workshop where they reconstruct an old Cunningham dance and they bring in a group of dancers to like whatever be the dancers from the past and then they document it but anyways immediately like I had blood coming out of a toe or like oh. I, I was really like I don't I don't know but I can't but that's really hard dance right the merch stuff because yeah. Eleanor I did uh when Katie was away I danced with Eleanor who uh Gulhan. Yes. Oh, yeah. And she's in the show at the yeah. tonight. She's, you know, I could just tell the way she was dancing. It was like a, just harder. Well, yeah. she had, she's a master technician. That's yeah. like her, her, her shtick in this dance universe is that she's the queen of exceptional technique. Wow. Yeah. It's unbelievable. She's really beyond. Yeah. And it's funny. When you see her say, we say hi. I love her. Well, I only danced with her at one, one time because then Katie came back. Yeah. She's really For, yeah. beyond, beyond, beyond. Yeah, it's yeah. so crazy. Um, I have to go to therapy. Ooh. So uh, <laughs> okay. we're going to have to wrap up. Yes. Um, I But I, you're going to have to come back on. And uh, because I want... Because I haven't even made the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm so... But I'm so... And to, Jeremy, did you get but this? I yeah, mean, you did. Just the binder itself I mean, aren't you obsessed? I love it so It's much. really... It My is... baseball card collection was in there. I went... I decided when I, I made this a few days ago, I thought... You know what? I could fritter away the day looking for the perfect binder, or I could take those baseball cards out. I used and to have this is. was yeah. the binder for me yeah. for a whole yeah. period of my yeah. childhood. Yeah. Um, well, I really am glad that we've gotten to meet, and I'm excited to keep talking. And um, we later, learned a really informative. We'll yeah, and so and helped inspire me, me into the pleasure. Of the ballet. Well, you're making it. I am making it. You're making it. it. All it's this it's process. And we all have to work through our issues with dance. Yeah. We all have to work through and our stuff. issues with dance. And stuff. Well, stuff. We love you, Queens. We love you. Bye. Bye.